What's up, New Year's Eve party people? Assuming that you're listening to it on the day that I'm publishing. Um, welcome to this week's episode of Romancing Nancy Drew. I'm your host, Andy Nickerson, which stands for Nancy Drew Nickerson. You can find me at that handle on Twitter, as long as Twitter is shambling towards its inevitable zombie decaying. Or at Romancing Nancy on Twitter, if you're so inclined. But feel free to do absolutely neither of those. This week's special episode is on the Nancy Drew Hardy Boy Super Mystery. New Year's Evil. There's absolutely no reason that this book is set at New Year's. There's nothing associated with it. There's nothing related to it. It's just that, hey, special crossover episode. Um, also, it feels like somebody put a Hallmark movie, like one of the holiday specials, which were not a thing when this was published. When was this fucker published? 1990 fucking one. Nice. So, yeah, it's been a hot minute. Um, so a Hallmark movie, which wasn't a genre at that point, and they put in Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby, and also Canada, and pressed a button in a blender, and they, they slammed all of it together. It's a hot mess. Oh my god, it's a hot mess. Anyway, I'm actually skipping ahead on the Super Mysteries, because this one is like, I don't even know, like maybe number six in the series, but... It's fine. We're going to do Shockwaves. That's the next one that's actually going to come up in sequence. But we're going to do New Year's Evil first because there's no continuity between these fucking books. It's fine. It's absolutely fine. The one thing that I want to note before we begin is that, first off, Ned does get a mention. Nancy misses him deeply. Um, and that's it. <laughs> he's not in this book. He does not appear. It's He's just... She's like, she thought longingly of her boyfriend, Ned Nickerson. Um, but it also comes in the context of whenever she spots Frank Hardy for the first time in this book, she's like, there's always been a spark between us, but both of us have significant others. Frank's significant other is also not mentioned other than the one throwaway mention. There is zero chemistry slash tension between Nancy and Frank in this book. So I was like, I'll allow it. You know that I want Nancy and Ned to have as many opportunities to bang as possible. But if if I can't have that, a close second is if Frank Hardy appears, there's no sexual tension. Like, a lack thereof, really. Where it's like, he, he looks like a pinata. And I ain't here for it. I ain't gonna bang him with any sticks. He's just a busted up pinata. So, uh, like I said, we're in Canada for this one. Um, this is set in, I'm going to pronounce everything wrong. You know this about me. I'm going to pronounce everything wrong in this book. Um, Quebec. Okay, my brain is always going to say Quebec, so that's, that's what's going to happen here. It's set in Quebec, and the thing about this book is that they keep, the people in the book are like, especially the Canadians, because the, the Americans are like, y'all are so super cool, and they're like, but we're also super classist. So there's a lot of references to like, is your family French Canadian? If not, then get the fuck out. Like it's, it's just real, real weird. And I've heard that this is actually a legit thing because there's a bunch of stuff in this book that I'm like, I didn't look it up. I'm not questioning it. I'm assuming that it's correct. Even though again, it's giving a Hallmark movie. We made up some shit vibes. So Bess has a second cousin, which you're like, of course she does. Nancy has so few family members that, like, for the next regular book that we're doing, um, Whistling Bagpipes, like, it feels very much like deleted scene, um, gritty reboot, where it's like, Nancy has family members outside her dad? Um, son of a bitch. Um, but anyway, so, um, Bess's second cousin, Emily, is working as, like, I can't fucking remember what her title is. It's like associate 
producer or something. Anyway, so she's working on the set of the not Hallmark movie. They call it a TV. It's a made for TV movie, which again feels like a genre that is like not, not currently existing. Um, it doesn't have the after school special vibe. It has the like, we're going to show it at eight. It's going to be one of the family friendly movies of the week or some shit. Um, but again, it's like, I guess now it would be like, what's your bottom to your streaming service? Yes, it's going to be for that, but with worse special effects. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, so she's there filming it. It's called Dangerous Loves. And you're like, of course it fucking is. Why was this book not called Dangerous Loves? And it's like, because they were planning to use that title for another Nancy Drew book. Clearly. Um, Dangerous Loves stars um, two actors, one of whom looks like David Boreanaz. That's who I'm casting. I refuse to remember his name. I think his name is actually David in the book. So David Boreanaz will work fine. Um, he's got dark hair. He's got nice eyes. I, I, I don't, it doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I feel bad casting him in this because I feel like David Boreanaz is decent as an actor. So just imagine like David Boreanaz when he's first starting out and is not really sure of himself. The female lead is blonde hair, slender, like just generic white girl. So, I mean, casting, um, I, I would say Amanda Seyfried, but we've done her before. And also, again, I feel it's a disservice to cast somebody who's actually decent as an actress in these things. So, who could we cast? Because, again, it's they're in a bad movie. They've already made some choices. These characters have. Um, hmm. I don't know. Annalyn McCord has the wrong energy. Um, hmm. I was like, Kate Hudson, way too fun for this because this is, but she's supposed to be like a fucking lawyer in Canada who is, who has fallen in love with a, we're, we're going to get to it. The Ricky Bobby section of this. Um, I, I guess, I guess I'm going to cast Leslie Bibb in this, who again, feels like she's a better person than the, again, she's just starting out. She's unsure of herself. So Leslie Bibb, who plays Ricky Bobby's wife in the movie. Who was like, I'm going to move on as soon as he's <laughs> not even in a coma. I'm going to pull that plug. Um, so imagine her. But like, but baby and kind of naive. It's fine. I believe that her name in this is Marguerite. Like the actress's name is Marguerite. But I also cannot remember like the difference between the character name and the person that they're playing in the movie name. And it doesn't fucking matter. So do I even know their names? It doesn't matter. It doesn't fucking matter. This production has been troubled because we've talked about this. And Nancy Drew books, she can't be investigating something that clearly the cops would be investigating. She has to be investigating something that's kind of like um, tangential or like kind of related. So there have been like incidents where it's like people's costumes get misplaced. I think like the, the wrong shipment of costumes was delivered or like they got something printed and it was wrong. And like, you know, like minor annoyances. <laughs> and they're like, Nancy you're on break. You could be banging Ned like 24-7, but why don't you get your happy ass up to Canada? So she's there with Bess, because again, this is Bess's cousin Emily that they're talking about. Emily, again, seems competent. Huh. Hmm. Who do I want to cast as her? I guess, I guess I'm going to cast the, the chick who does Bones, whose name is also Emily. So her, her, but like not playing the version of herself on Bones. Like somebody who has who has a little bit more range than that, so it's her. And again, um, they're all just starting out, just little baby actresses and actors, just just doing their best. Um, so she's working on the, she's working on the production. She is, 
I don't remember if they are engaged or if they're just like serious. But anyway, she is in with a guy named Jack who has like spiky blonde hair. So I was like, Matthew Lilliard, sir, that's going to be him. Um, he's taking like the actual photography on the movie. So he's like taking still shots whenever they're shooting and he's taking like promotional pictures and everything like that. And I was like, oh yeah, like I do love that they're like, this movie is going to be so serious that we need a person on set every day documenting the production. We're going to make a big coffee table book after. Everybody involved is going to be just fantastic. The director of this is a piece of shit. Is he Harvey Weinstein? He he ain't, he ain't, uh, he ain't that level. He ain't that level. He's, he's a just piece of shit, but he's like not rapey. So there's that. But he's very, like, dictatorial and demanding and everything. He is clashing constantly with the writer who apparently wrote the novel that this is based on. And I was like, so uh, just absolute garbage novel. Um, But not what you would imagine. So it's a guy. I can't fucking remember his name. It's fine. He's got red hair. So picture, like, the ginger that you hate most. Um, He is, like, just completely fucking pissed all the time because the director's like, we need to rewrite this scene. And he's like, I wrote the book, bitch. And so they, they like slap each other on set all the time. It's, it's a very dramatic set of circumstances. Anyway. Okay. So, and we haven't even met every fucking person involved in this movie yet. It's, it's a hot mess. Nancy and Bess are coming into, like, they're driving from the airport. I love how these books always pick up with, like, oh, wow, that airport was super busy. We passed three Arby's, and now we're on our way to our hotel. Um, they don't say that. It's okay. They, they generally avoid franchises. Um, but Nancy's putting a beret on, and I was like, I love that in 1991, we were like, you know what? You need a fucking beret to complete this outfit. Only that will complete this look. You have your American Girl Molly doll, and you're going to match her. So, um, yeah, she's putting on a braid. She's like, yes, I feel classy. And, and she's like, yes, Canada's great. And they give the vibe that they're like, we haven't been here much. And I was like, in the files you have, though, like, you do occasionally hit up Canada for reasons. Um, not all the time. It's not like New York where, like, every other book, it feels like Nancy's in New York. But anyway, um, they're staying near the French Quarter but not in the French Quarter. And so there's a bunch of French words, which um, I'm going to completely butcher. Moulin Rouge appears because I guess they were like, okay, dipshit, you know how to say that. But anyway, so they go to the set. Okay, backing up to the Ricky Bobby portion of this novel. Novel. Um, the entire thing. Okay, so I told you that the Leslie Bibb character is playing a, a lawyer in Canada, a Canadian lawyer. Um, the male lead is playing an ice racer. I read this and I was like, this feels not legit. This feels super, super not like a thing, but it probably is. Um, apparently there are two rivers in Quebec and the book tells us that one of the rivers freezes over enough to actually race fucking cars on. And I was like, Every part of that sounds extremely dangerous. Like, I can't even fathom the level of dangerousness involved in this. But anyway, so David Boreanaz is having is playing an actor who is a an ice racer. Ice racer. God. Ice race car driver. The um the person who's actually gonna be doing the like the work on camera, like the person who's gonna be driving the car is of course not him because he is not one of these things. Also, David Boreanaz likes to rock a black cowboy hat. When he ain't on set. And I was like, sure, hon. Need to get a brand going. It's fine. Um, anyway. 
the person who's going to be playing, who's going to be actually like racing the car in the movie, because apparently it's like they fall in love and she's like, we're from different worlds and blah, blah. And and then she goes to marry somebody else and he bursts in and, and they run out together. Like it's the end of The Graduate. Um, But anyway, like we don't get a lot of overview of the plot. And to be honest, we don't need it. The guy who's going to be actually doing the race car driving in the movie is ice racing driving in the movie is called Snake Juno. Okay. Um, I'm J-U-N-O-T. Say it properly in your head. Snake, because he's a dick, and also he's the last year's championship winner. Because, again, this is a, a thing where they have a race, and somebody gets a trophy. As my children would say, full of ice cream. They believe all trophies are full of ice cream. Um, So, yeah, and he's he's going to be on set because it's like a, a cute thing that he's going to be doing the actual stunt racing. He... During the scene that Nancy and Bess come up on where they're talking to Emily and Emily's like, yeah, let me, I'm just saying that you're visiting the set. Like I didn't actually give you a cover story. And Nancy's like, great, perfect. No notes. Um, Snake races up in his car. And I was like, who am I going to cast as him? Because the thing is that he's giving both. Now, Ricky Bobby is not malicious. Oh my God. No, he's just a dipshit. Um, I would even say that, like, if we're going with Jean Girard, like, a little bit, like, Jean Girard, again, does not feel malicious. Not, not in this way. Snake Juno feels like a complete dick. And I was like, if I were familiar enough with NASCAR, I could probably cast somebody in this role, but I'm not. So, he's like, if, I guess he's um, Jean Girard's, like, evil cousin. Anyway. It makes some sense, though. He's got the French going. Um, so he races up when they're in the middle of their shooting their scene. And, the, like, Nancy and Bess, when they go, they're like, is this ice okay? To, we are aware of ice danger. So, mm, mm. Anyway. So they're like, oh, well, we found a weak patch. So there's, like, a big old danger sign on it so that nobody walks over to it. And you're like, yeah, that's that's a Chekhov's gun. Uh, <laughs> so... Um, they're out there watching the scene being filmed. Um, the, the writer is out there just like yelling about shit. Um, the associate director is named Grant and I, I don't care. You can cast whoever you want to in that role. Um, he's out there just being like kind of surly. Everybody on set seems kind of like surly or, and I'm like, it is like three days before New Year's Eve. I get it. You're like, can we, can we just, what the fuck? I'm out here shooting a Lifetime movie and I've, I'm watching my life slowly drift away and I'm full of rage. So that's, that's the vibe that everybody on set is giving. They meet Jack, they meet Emily, they meet the director, they meet all these people. They've got the little danger sign out there. And then Snake Juno comes up and like, does the like flashy spin out thing. And he's like, hello, bitches. I am here to say that I want to be your like technical, technical advisor for this. Now, the current technical advisor on the set is uh, Francois, um, which is like, if Ricky, but, hmm, is it going to be Cal Naughton Jr.? I don't know. I don't know. It could. It could. It could be given. Or it could be um, Michael Clark Duncan. It could be him. Anyway, um, so he was also, he was like the previous champion, but he got hurt in an accident and he, he's like, and Snake Juno was involved. You know why his name is Snake. And I was like, maybe not for sexy reasons, maybe for causing intentional ice racing accidents. Um, anyway, so the Francois says that Snake basically caused the accident that caused him to no longer be able to race. And also he cannot walk. I was going to say normally, but that's bitchy. Um, he, he walks with a bit of a limp. Um, 
But he's a technical advisor because, of course, he was an expert at it. And so Snake Juno's like, yeah, if you were really an expert, your leg would be working. And Francois's like, why don't you fuck all the way off? So there's this huge dramatic scene. And then all of a sudden, another car pulls up. And it's giving mobster vibes. Like, when they pull up, it's like, Frank and Joe get out of the fucking backseat of the car. The thing about these books is they're always like, and then Nancy was confronted with Frank and Joe because she was already on a case, and then they were also kind of on a case, maybe or not. We don't know. They have come up with, okay, okay. I can't remember anybody's name, okay? There's one guy who is friends with their dad, and I think his name is Henry, so we're going to go with that. There's the other guy who is named Pierre, who is, um, It's weird. I think he's like the director of the auto racing federation, some shit. Anyway, so like he's the the liaison between the the racing. And I don't I don't fucking know. Anyway, Henry is the guy that is actually Frank and Joe's like host there. They're gonna hang out. They're gonna do some skiing. They're gonna watch some car things. Um, the thing is that like the fucking ice race is not even supposed to happen for like another like three months. Like. So, like, why the fuck are Frank and Joe there? Other than, of course, to put their noses in a Nancy's mystery. Oh, that sounded like a horrible euphemism. Um, anyway. So, they pull up, and Nancy's like, they're like, hey! And she's like, she's giving them, like, the cutthroat symbol where she's like, mm, later, later. Um, and then she goes over, and she's like, I'm on a case. And they're like, okay. <laughs> Maybe we can hang out later. Like, it's, it's so cringe. It's so cringe. Um, but anyway, like everybody's yelling at each other because like snakes there and then like dudes there and he's like yes we're here to just check out how things are going because um again snakes you know is part of one of the racing things and henry is involved in the racing part of this bullshit so all of a sudden the director is like he walks over to some part like i can't remember if they're shooting a scene or just setting up for one but he walks over to some part and he falls through the fucking ice because he's walking over to the place where the danger sign was and it's no longer there so um his i think his like lower legs go through the ice he doesn't actually like plunge into the water but like frank and joe were like everyone's like they're like stay back stay back you can't do this um so they know how to get somebody out of the water which of course is like put your body on the ground spread it out as much as possible to distribute your weight and then like very slowly inch forward so that you don't also like cause more of this shit to happen so anyway they get him out of there like Frank gets him out. Joe is holding on to Frank's foot. Nancy's holding on to Joe's foot just to make sure that nobody falls through the ice. They get out. Um, the director's like, okay, no more shooting for like the next three hours. Because <laughs> I need to go warm up. Slash drink a lot. Um, Nancy sees the danger sign that's over, like has been like jammed into a snowbank. And she's like, yeah, this feels like it wasn't an accident. And again, like the it's been played by accident. So it makes sense that mm, this is just another one of those things. I wish I could say that I'm very far into the book, and I think I'm on, like, page 15 at this point. Oh, my God. So, yeah. Um, so, Nancy's talking to Frank and Joe, and she's like, yeah, there have been weird things happening on set. And they're like, hey, you need anything, you let us know. And this is the part where Nancy's like, yeah, Frank, but I've got Ned, and he's got Callie, so that ain't gonna happen. Next. So, it's cool. Bess, of course, as you know... Bess is here to to bang anything looking hot, and David Boreanaz is looking hot, and she's like, look at him, he is so fucking cute. So, the other, there's a bunch of intrigue going on on this set, oh my god. Um, So, like I said, they're baby actors, they're, it's a made-for-TV movie, you're just hoping that somebody notices you, and that you get some better deals. So, 
David Boreanaz was up for like a an actual film role, like a legit film to be released in theaters. But um, the shooting of this movie was um, scheduled for the same time, so he had to turn it down. Um, it could be his big break, etc. So Nancy's like, okay, so he has motive. Um, the writer is constantly getting real fucking pissed off about having to do all these rewrites. Nancy's like, okay, motive. He He's already mad about this, so it's like, why not just fuck it up so that it doesn't actually happen? Because if he feels like it's a shitty product, then he wouldn't want his name attached to it anyway. Alan Smithy, that shit up. Um, Marguerite, who is um, Leslie Bibb, um, not really any specific thing that's... She's acting a little bit sketch, though. Like, Nancy's like, I don't know what's going on with her. Like, she's trying to follow her around. There's a lot of, like, trying to follow people around. Um, let me think. I can't remember exactly what happens next because I had to take, a, a like, three days away from reading the book. Um, but anyway, there's, they're investigating what's going on and everything. Um, and as for Frank and Joe, like, there's no specific mystery that they're investigating. So they're always like, oh, we can help Nancy with whatever she's got going on. And they go by the, um, like, the garage where they have the like race car people again like all the question marks in my voice all of them all of them um yeah they go by to see him they're like hey what's going on and snake juno has come by um okay so he's come by and they're like doing promotional pictures for for something like he's like i'm gonna kick ass at this race it's gonna be great they have like anyway so he um i think he's just put like a supercharger on his car or something and he's like yeah i'm gonna show my ass and um this other racer, this other ice racer named Danielle, um, who was wearing like a black racing, like Snake is wearing a white one. Danielle's wearing a black one with like a hot pink stripe. And I was like, I love the Barbie look. You're doing it good. Um, anyway, so I'm going to cast her as, what is it? Danica? I don't know. The, the one racing lady that I know of. Um, so it's going to be her. She races up to him and she's like, oh my God, I can't, because, um, Marguerite came by to shoot promotional images with him because again, like he's playing the stunt racer in the movie. She's the lead and they're like, it looks sexy. And it like, they're like, it's, it's good for us if there's a little bit of, mm, are they? Because it's going to be good for the movie. So anyway, Danielle races up and she's like, you're cheating on me. Blah, blah. And he's like, we'll talk about this later. Um, he's, he does seem very dickish. He does. He does. He's giving it. He's giving that vibe. Um, so he's like, I'm gonna like speed up in my car and that'll make a good, really, a really good promotional image. So he, um, he races his car off so that he can like build up a lot of speed to come back by. And when he vanishes like over the hill, like his car fucking explodes. And everyone's like, what the fuck? And when they get out there, like his car is a charred ruin. Um, it is gone. Hit that that car is absolutely he's dead he is so dead i was like but did he like fake his own because you're that that whole setup is very much like i'm gonna fake my own death they're like no no fam he's dead um so yeah so everybody's like what the literal fuck oh my god okay so that's the frank and joe frank and joe are like oh, okay well we're gonna look into this because they're like, at first, they're like, well, maybe it exploded for normal reasons. And I was like, what are fucking normal reasons for a race car, an ice racing car, to explode? What are the normal reasons? It wasn't like he ran into a pylon or something. So, finally, like, the the arson investigation comes back or whatever the fuck. And it's like, yes, this car was rigged to explode. Like, there was a bomb attached. And they were like, oh, God, we got to investigate. And I was like, sure. So, somebody's fucking up on set. 
for some reason, and somebody exploded the stunt racer. And so it's like, is this also a thing that's involved with the movie? Because everything with the movie sabotage seems to be super, like, just annoyances. It doesn't seem to be like, we're going to fucking kill people. So there's that. Oh, my God, you know what we need to do? Talk about the cover of this book. So, uh, Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys is written in purple with an a day glow orange square behind it. Like, super aggressive. A color orange that I feel that we don't really use. It's like hyperactive salmon. Um, it is sh- the the perspective of this, and this is a drawing, okay, just to make it clear, because eventually we are going to have, like, pictures of human beings on the covers of these things. Um, it's shot from an extremely steep looking upward angle, so it's Nancy at the the foreground, who is looking up at Frank and Joe, who are being attacked by a guy wearing a completely black outfit with a ski mask. Um... <laughs> And Nancy's like, ah, and you can see her breath. So, you know, it's cold. And also she's wearing a red jacket with like the kind of dirty fur trim. You know what I'm talking about? Where it looks like it might be legit, but it probably isn't. So yeah, that's her. And she's like, just like, oh no. And I think that the guy who's being attacked is supposed to be Joe because he looks faintly blonde. And then Frank is like wearing the Ken doll jacket, which is like the blue top and then a red stripe across the, across the middle. And then white on the bottom of the jacket. And he's like, ah, and they're both wearing khakis, like dipshits. Um, yeah. And what are, it's like, there's a wall and then there's, because again, I think parts of Quebec are like old walled city, et cetera. So there's like a bunch of buildings above and some planes for absolutely no reason. There are no planes that figure in this movie whatsoever. Movie, book. So yeah, it's, it's interesting because it's like Nancy's the biggest human being on the cover. But she's also not actually actively involved in tackling the dude with the ski mask. So, which is fine. Let the Hardys take on all the possible medical debt. Like, just just let them handle that. It's fine. So, where were we? The car blew up. So, the rest car blew up. Danielle, of course, is like, I am completely heartbroken. Emily's like, well, fuck, I have to find a different stunt driver. Because <laughs> apparently that's part of her role. Um, She finds a guy named... Brent? I believe his name is Brent. And again, think of a more 90s name. I dare you. Um, Brent is blonde and has like a little ponytail and is not American, although he doesn't. They're like, you You have a different accent. I think that he's considered a Yank because, okay. So again, like I said, in Quebec, in this book anyway, if you are not French Canadian, then get the fuck out. His family is Canadian, but they immigrated from Ireland. So they're not considered legit. <laughs> again, seems super weird. And like the, the whole classist shit figures into the plot, which is interesting. I I do like that they at least did that. So there's that. So, so she finds Brent who is another, he is apparently like a a really good ice racer as well. And now that Gino's out of the running, like he, he has a shot at winning, but anyway, cause he dead. He's so, so dead. And I was like, again, I'm, I'm like, did he fake his death? No, he didn't. Spoiler alert. So, so they find him, um, and then they have to figure out what's going on. So the next day, um, like Nancy has, Nancy and Bess have dinner with Emily and her, and damn it, I've completely forgot his name. Anyway, her photographer, Matthew Lilliard, her boyfriend, and like, I think his name is Jack in the book. And everything is like, he's doing great. They're, they're having a blast, except for, of course, the, all the stress attached to the production and everything, and like the director being a dick, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. 
So there's that. Um, the other weird thing about this book is that apparently the writer had his electric typewriter shipped to Canada at massive cost to the production company. I was like, of course he did, hon. Of course he did. You needed to be like that level of bonkers. Um, and again, I was like, electric typewriter is like an electric word processor. No, it's like one of those big old shit things that you'd lug around, like, like an actual thing that would type onto paper. Good job. Um, anyway, so I think that the next day, like a bunch of shit happens the next day. Um, Frank and Joe go to see their dad's friend Henry, and they're like, um, is there any reason that you know of that somebody might have been targeting snakes, you know? And he's like, no. And they're like, okay. Um, Frank's like, can I just, like, poke around on your computer, like, look at the records of everything because, hmm. And he's like, yeah. I don't under—I don't really actually understand the why he decided to do that other than, like, I feel like the motive is here, so maybe that will help me. I don't think that he explains his reasoning because it doesn't really make a lot of sense within the context of the book. Um, but Frank is poking around. He's like, so somebody's been actually, like, withdrawing prize money in, like, $2,000 increments. And Henry's like, what the fuck? What? And Frank's like, yeah, um, that's that's a thing that's been happening. Um, so he shows it to him, and he's like, okay, fuck. And so Frank's like, is it, was it password protected? Like, did you actually have like some security on it? He was like, yes. And I was the only one who knew the password. So somebody broke the password and, and this is horrible. And Frank's like, yeah. Um, so first off, I want you to change the password. Um, so that this doesn't keep happening. The second, um, we need to figure out who was doing this because he's like, how long would it have taken you to realize that the money was gone? He was like, uh, I don't ever check it. I don't ever fucking check it. And he's like, okay, great you're doing a just slam job. Um, so, so Frank's like, so what was your previous password? And Henry's like, oh, my birthday. And Frank's like, that's like the first thing anyone guessed. And he's like, how many people know your birthday? And he's like, oh, the, the racing people threw me a huge birthday party. And Frank's like, so everyone knows. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, there's that. Um, Ooh, okay. The other thing that happens because again, the, it's like every, every, everywhere you turn, some other shit's going down. The, all, the entire group decides, I think this was after they had dinner, uh, with Emily and Jack and everybody. So they all decided to get into the horse-drawn carriages because these bitches love some fucking horse-drawn carriages. If you are in a location that involves them, they're going to be on them. They're just loving it. They, they love some horse-drawn carriages. I'm like, you're giving colonial vibes, but okay. So, um, they're doing that when I think that Nancy ends up in the horse-drawn carriage with Frank and Joe. And again, I want to emphasize for the record that there is absolutely no tension between any, any of that combination. Um, other than of course, Frank just going after Joe randomly for random shit. Like, honestly, like Joe seems super easygoing and he's like, that Danielle is hot. And Frank's like, we know that you do not ever want to keep it in your pants, son. We understand that. And Danielle's flirting back. I do want to say that. Like, Joe generally doesn't give off creep vibes. Joe is generally like, if somebody is putting some shit down, I'm going to pick it up. Like, I'm not going to go after somebody who don't want it. But I'm going to give it to you if you want it. Like, please know that I'm available. Which, again, is why I feel like Joe and Bess are, like, the most natural pairing in these books. But anyway, but Bess is like, no, no, I'm, I'm going to get that guy's out of his pants. She's going after David Boreanaz. She's going to ride that thing. Um, anyway, so, and he's interested. <laughs> of course he is. I was like, yeah, y'all got to bang. Um, anyway, so they're doing the horse-drawn carriage thing when 
Um, somebody throws a fucking firecracker at the horse drawing the carriage, and of course the horse bolts and goes toward like this sheer drop off because they're in part of the walled city. And the, yeah, so anyway, Joe like flings himself off the carriage onto the back of the horse and manages to stop the horse before they go over the edge of the cliff. And they're all like, "Shit, that was close. What happened?" Like they they shake that shit off immediately. I was like, Nancy needs to have PTSD about everything: heights, explosives, water being buried alive like there's there's an endless list of everything that Nancy's gonna be like yeah I've I've almost died that way in that exact way poison anyway Nancy finds David's hat nearby and she's like huh (laughs) remember he likes to wear a black cowboy hat so um and of course Bess is like I'm gonna ride him like a freight train and Nancy's like honey we found his hat and Bess is like that's not proof of anything and I was like actually Bess is correct that's pretty circumstantial also a black cowboy hat like how do you know it's his did it have his name written in it like a little sticker like his mom did it for preschool anyway I think it's got some dumb feather in it so Nancy's like this is the feather but anyway um so there's that the next day which is when they found out about the embezzling Jack is gone. He's gone. He's fucking gone. Um, the person who shows up to set is named Mike, and he is a person who has a dark room and does photography, and so he's kind of been working with Jack because Jack doesn't have his own setup. So he's like, yeah, you can use my studio for, you know, developing your pictures and everything. Um, and he's been filling in for Jack occasionally when Jack needs it. So Mike shows up, and everyone's like, because I think Emily called him and was like, have you seen Jack? And also, can you come take pictures today? But no one can find him. No one has any fucking clue. So they go to his hotel room. His hotel room has been completely trashed. Like it, everything's just like somebody stabbed the mattress. It, it looks like Johnny fucking Depp was in there um, just on a coke field rampage. And, <laughs> and so they call the front desk and the front desk is like, holy shit, we're going to have to bill him for this. And they're like, what do you mean? He didn't do this. And they're like, yeah, we've, we've had Johnny Depp stay here. Don't even... Um, but yeah, they think that he did this. They don't see any like necessary signs of foul play. Like there's no blood everywhere. And so Nancy's like, "Uh uh-huh. And so she looks around and she finds a matchbook for a specific hotel. And it's the same hotel where the writer is staying. And she's like, hmm, hmm. And I was like, it's a hotel room. They're not cleaned that thoroughly. I think that you could find evidence of pretty much anything that you wanted, but it's fine. It's fine. This is an ACG book. Everything was pristine when he walked in there. It's fine. So they're looking for him. Um, yeah, it's just like one thing after another. You turn your head and something else is happening. Um, <laughs> so the embezzling, um, he's changed the password. Henry's changed the password. So they're just trying to track down what exactly happened. Frank's theory is that the $2,000 payments, which he was like, it seems odd that somebody would risk everything to make $2,000 payments, like to have $2,000 like withdrawals. Like why not withdraw a lot more? Cause it's like millions of dollars, I think. So Frank's theory is that it's a payoff. The $2,000 is a payoff for somebody who knew. And by the end of it, he's like, I feel like probably Snake Juno figured it out and was blackmailing the person who had access to the the funds. So that makes some sense. It also makes sense that the person who um, was doing the embezzling just killed him because they were like, I don't want to have to share any money with you. So there's that. Good times. Good time. Um, (laughs) Which, I mean, it all hangs together. It's all logical. Um, Nancy, I think that they actually, the next day they're shooting like the wedding scene. And again, this is like 
December 29th at this point, where it's like super close to actual New Year's. Um, they're shooting the big wedding scene where they're going to do the graduate thing. And it's like at the Notre Dame Cathedral. And I was like, I feel like the Notre Dame Cathedral. Maybe, maybe every major city in Canada has a Notre Dame Cathedral. I don't know. Anyway, um, so they're shooting that in there. This is the funniest thing in the entire book. That's probably not true. I think there was a funnier thing. But anyway, um, Nancy and Bess are watching them set up for the scene. And Nancy's, like, distracted because she's thinking about the case. And Bess is like, what the fuck are they doing? No, no. The ring bearer is after the flower girl. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So she's telling Nancy about this. And she calls over Grant, who is, like, the assistant director. She's like, no, no, the, the flower girl's first. And he's like, whatever. No, this is how the scene was set up. And then the actual director comes on set and he's like, what the fuck? No, the flower girl goes first. What are you doing? Oh my God. How dare you, Grant? And Grant's like, fuck you. And he's like glaring at Nancy and Bess. And Bess is like, I'm not the one who made up these rules, hon. Like, I I didn't get you in this trouble. You did this to you. You did this. But anyway, Nancy's like, we may have made another enemy. Um, <laughs> I'm like, all, all y'all enemies, all y'all. So... They, um, Nancy goes to Mike's studio because she's like, okay, if Jack has disappeared and Jack's a photographer, it makes sense that t- Jack took a picture of something that somebody wants. So she goes through and Jack has been like meticulously filing all of his documentation, like all of the pictures, his negatives and everything, but it's missing the day before he disappeared. And again, he disappeared like that morning, like he didn't show up on set when he was supposed to. So so everything from the previous day, and that includes, like, him f- photographing the Snake Juno, like, publicity thing, the publicity event, and the explosion happened, and all that stuff. So Nancy was like, okay, he took a picture of something that day that somebody wants. So, but she can't find any any of it. She can't find the negatives. She can't find the prints. So she's like, uh, maybe he made some contact sheets. So she goes through the trash in the dark room, and she actually finds some damp. And I was like, it's interesting that they would still be damp, but it's also kind of not inter- not that interesting because it's a dark room. She pulls out the contact sheets, which are, um, you take the negatives. <laughs> I'm saying this as though, like, all of you listening are like, yes, clearly take the negatives. Because, again, he's shooting on film. You take the negatives, and you make the, you make all the prints, on one sheet of paper, so it's going to be really small, and you look through it to figure out what you actually want to turn into big prints. But they're not exposed correctly. It's just like, it's a first pass. It's just a, like, rough, I've got everything, now I want to choose what I'm actually going to work with. So Nancy has a contact sheet. She doesn't have the negatives, she doesn't have the prints, she just has a contact sheet. She gets, she sees a picture of, like, Bess appears in one of the pictures, and she's like, okay, so these are from the, the day in question. But she doesn't see anything that's necessarily going to help her out that much. But but at least she's got something. So she's like, okay, well, probably one of these pictures is responsible for his disappearance. So, um, eventually they figure out, and I can't remember how exactly they know this, um, but Jack's intention was to go by the auto racing place and then come to set. So he vanished either before or after going to the auto racing place because he never made it a set. So Nancy calls out the person he was supposed to meet, which is Pierre. Okay. Again, there are two people that we know of that work there. One is Henry, who is the idiot who put his birth date as the computer password. And the other one is Pierre, who is working with him as like the director of the shit. Anyway, so yeah. 
Pierre is the one he was supposed to meet with, that Jack was supposed to meet with. So Nancy calls me. She's like, hey, um, so Jack was supposed to meet with you. And um, did he actually meet with you? And he's like, yeah. And Nancy's like, cool. Um, what, what did he talk about? Anything? And he's like, oh, well, he um, brought some pictures because he wanted to see if he could get the job of doing the promotional shooting for the actual race. And Nancy's like, cool. Um, did he say where he was going after he saw you? And he was like, nope. Bye. (laughs) (coughs) And Nancy's like, this all seems legit. So he went by, saw Pierre, and then between Pierre's office and getting to set, he vanished. And he, I think that she asked if he had his camera bag and she's told no. So she's like, okay, so his camera bag is still out there. His, it's not in his apartment or hotel room. I think it's hotel room. It's not up there. Um, Nancy gets suspicious of the writer, so she has to figure out how to get into his hotel room just to see if maybe he's, like, keeping the photographer captive. Um, so she, she is talking to the desk clerk, and she's like, hey, so, um, the writer that you got upstairs, he is, there's this really special honor that we were thinking about giving him, but we need to make sure that he is on the up and up, you know? And the cashier's, the, the clerk is like, yes, I am familiar. And Nancy's like, okay, so, have you seen... And then she describes Jack. She's like, has he been around here? We're trying to see if the, like, the paparazzi's been following him. And the clerk's like, no, I haven't seen anybody by that description. Nancy's like, okay. Um, have you, um, uh, she asks a few other questions. And then she's like, can we go see his room? And the clerk's like, fuck, no, you can't go see his room. And Nancy's like, we were doing so good. Damn it. So um, there's one point in the book where Nancy gets a, a note that tells her to meet at the rue something um at five o'clock danger um so she goes to like she takes the note and she goes to frank and Jones. she's like hey um so i got a note um yeah they're like yeah it's a trap she was like i know it's a trap we've got to figure out what we're gonna do about it so nancy says she's gonna keep the meeting frank and joe decide to stake out the area so that they can catch whoever's coming after her Nancy is heading to it like she there's there's a set of steps that they call like breakneck steps and I was like again I don't know if it's legit no idea if this is a thing in Quebec where they're like uh murder weapon steps just just murdery steps she's heading up there when um she sees a person all dressed in black with a ski mask like the cover um at the top of the steps she turns around she's like I will let gravity help me and so she holds on to the railings and basically goes as fast as she can down there's a person who is also similarly dressed in black at the bottom of the steps. So Joe goes after him and Frank circles around. Anyway, they lose him because, again, they're they're not good at this. <laughs> they're just not. But clearly, like, they had no intention. They were like, we have information for you. And Nancy's like, yeah, there was no information that was going to be given. They were just, like, here to fuck with me. So they're in agreement about that. But the note was typed. And so Nancy's like, okay, I have to figure out where that was typed from. So she needs to, she manages to get into the writer's room because she knows that he's going to be at something. Like there's a specific event that he's been like bitching about. So Nancy actually goes to the restaurant where Bess is having dinner with David. And again, like they're banging. Like the book is just like very casual about like, and they're having dinner together and it's fine. And, and. Bess, at one point, like, when she goes out with David, she comes back and she's like, I thought Quebec was boring, but we went to a club, and oh my god, it was lit. And Nancy's like, I'm happy for you, girl. Let me circle back. 
You know how it is. The hats. This is, Nancy was like, Bess, the hat. We found the hat and Bess is like, fuck you. Um, Nancy goes to the costumer and she's like, so David's hat. And the costumer's like, fuck you, I got shit to do. So Nancy goes back later <laughs> and she's like, so the hat. And the costumer's like, I have a lot going on, but I will say that his hat is his business. That is his personal property. And if he wants to send somebody by to pick it up, that's on him. And Nancy was like, so somebody else picked it up. And she was like, yeah, an American. She says a Yankee. And I was like, uh, okay. Um, but yeah, so an American came by and picked it up. And Nancy was like, good to know. So, okay, an American came by, picked up the hat, and, and like, left it at the scene. Whenever Nancy confronts David with it, after that, when she found it, she's like, we found your hat. He's like, good, I, I was missing it. Like, <laughs> absolutely no awareness of what's going on. So, after that point, Nancy was like, go ahead and get up on it, girl. Bang him like a freight train. It's fine. So, yeah, they've they've been, like, going out to dinner and everything. And, again, Bess is not convinced that it's going to be, like, a long-term thing. But she's like, but I'm willing to bang it out. Nancy comes and interrupts Nan- Bess and David at dinner because she's like, Bess, I need you. And Bess is like, I got dessert to get, so we better make this quick. And when I say dessert, I mean that in all senses of that word. So... Nancy takes Bess to the the same hotel where the clerk, like, clearly was like, your friend is hot. So she's like, oh, when you were telling me about everything earlier, like, it was super cute. And I saw these engravings in the other room. Can you tell me more about them? And he was like, yes. So Nancy sneaks up to the writer's room and she tries out his his big old electric typewriter. And no, it doesn't match. She's like, the, the typefaces are wrong. And I was like, interesting. Good for you. There is one in the production trailer, also not the right one. Nancy's like, okay, so I'm I'm doing real bad at this. <laughs> Can't find the typewriter that wrote this fucking stuff. Um So when Nancy's trying to figure out like who has the motive to be like causing problems with the production, like after Grant fucks up the whole flower girl thing, she's like, Okay, so what would he have to why would he want to fuck this up? And the thing that she figures out is that, um, like, she's in the trailer trying out the fucking typewriter, and, the like, a delivery guy, a courier, a little courier toddler comes in and is like, an envelope from Mr. Shulman. And Nancy's like, sure. And she sees that in the corner of it, like, the return address is OCP. And she's like, huh, huh. And it's for Grant. And he comes in and he's like, oh, that was for me. And he, like, rips it out of her hand, like, clearly very annoyed that she ever had her hands on it. And so Nancy's like, okay. So she goes to Emily and she's like, who is OCP? And um, Emily's like, oh, that's old Canada Productions. And Nancy's like, uh-huh. And um, can you tell me any more about them? And Emily's like, yeah, well, fuck yeah. They wanted to produce this movie, but um, like the offer they made wasn't as good as the production company they ultimately went with. And Nancy's like, okay. So they're writing to Grant. That seems interesting and when she's testing out the typewriter in the production trailer she sees that ocp and um the end of grant's name are on the ribbon because it's she had noticed that it was one of those ribbons that actually keeps the impression she's like it's a one-time use ribbon because you like every time you use a letter like the carbon is gone she was like i see his name here why would why would he be writing hmm hmm so nancy's like okay so it feels like somebody at Old Canada Productions is paying Grant to fuck up the movie for whatever. Like, I guess they're so bitter and jealous over the fact they didn't get it. Or, like, something also involving, like... 
because Nancy's concerned that maybe David's sabotaging the movie because he wants to be free to work on the other movie. She's like, mm-hmm. But anyway, so what she decides to do is contact them via David, because David's the draw here. David Boreanaz is the draw here. So she has them, she has him contact them. They they come, like, they get on a fucking plane, whoever this pe- these people are. They get on a plane and come to visit him. I don't think we ever actually fucking have a name. Um, but Nancy, like, fucking wires him up. She wires up David, and she's like, okay. And she's, like, sitting in a corner with, like, she's got the receiver that she's recording the conversation on. And she's like, I just look like a student who is listening to headphones and having some coffee. Um, but so she's listening to the conversation from across the room, and David's like... I see that you got my note. And he's like, yeah. And David's like, um, I want a cut of this. He's like, I know what's going on. So the guy's like, well, if I'd known that you were open to this, then I would have made a different deal earlier, but we don't need your help because like we've got it covered. And David's like, Grant's just been real sketchy about all this shit. Like he's minor annoyances. I can give you more than that. And the guy is like, oh, we we are going to deal with that snake properly. Or something like, like, he uses the word snake. We're going to deal with him like we do with that snake. And um, Nancy's like, holy shit, they're going to blow up another car. Like, <laughs> So she immediately fucking calls the cops. And she's like, you need to get to the set of the movie. They're going to blow up a fucking car. They're going to blow up another fucking car. And then she's like, no, this is not a prank call. My name is Nancy Drew. And uh, it's Canada, okay? she's She is not big internationally yet. Like, mm, again the hottest international teen detectives. Um, but anyway, she's, she's like, I hope I got through to them. So they immediately race out to the set. Um, so yeah, the stunt car's out there because they're going to be doing some stunt driving that day. Um, another thing that happened earlier in the movie is that, um, somebody like there was supposed to be a scene where David was like supposed to like get into the car and drive off. And like, that was his, like, that's all they needed him to do for that scene. So he was able to do the driving. Um, and somebody didn't put, like, the blocks on the tires like they should have, and so it, like, almost ran into somebody. I I think it almost ran into the female lead. I think it almost ran into Leslie Bibb. And Nancy, like, fucking tackles her ass and gets her off so that she doesn't die, and she's like, oh, thank you so much, oh my god. The other thing, and I think I've, I've mentioned this before, Leslie Bibb has been acting a little bit sketch as well. So Nancy's been following her, but she can't ever figure out what exactly is going on because Leslie Bibb always loses her before Nancy's able to catch up with her. So finally she catches up with her and it's, um, she's with David, not in a professional capacity. Um, they're clearly have making eyes at each other. And I feel like the book says that there was a prior relationship or like they knew each other or whatever, but anyway, she's been stinking off to meet with him. Um, the reason she's been sneaking off is because, like, they want to keep their relationship private. And also, just like the fucking movie, the parallels, um, he is a, a race car driver and she's an actress and her family is super snobby because they're French-Canadian and he's considered Anglo is what the book says. And I was like, I like that you can be whiter than white and you're still can, like, we're going to be super bitchy about you. So, um... So yeah, like there have been weird, again, the weird annoyances, accidents, the things that like could be, could hurt people, but don't really seem to as much as they could. So they run out to set, the cars are set up, they're going to be shooting a scene. Um, and I think there's three cars that are set up. The, the bomb people show up. And so they look under and all around the cars 
the first one, they're like, nothing. The second one, they're like, nothing. And AC's like, well, son of a bitch. Like, son of a bitch. The third one, all of a sudden, one of them is like, get over here. And the they get the fucking, like, the long things. And they get the box and the tank of oil and everything. And they, like, fucking take it into the car and um, end up it out. And AC's like, Grant, you did this. And Grant's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And AC's like, we know everything, bitch. Tell us what you did. And he's like, it's a smoke bomb, okay? It was it was just supposed to freak people out. And the director's like, what the fuck? Like, goes after him. Like, tries to just beat his ass. And Grant's like, it was just a prank. It was just a prank. And Nancy's like, you could have hurt people, you son of a bitch. And he's like, I was so bitter when you were... I, I wanted to direct this movie, and I was passed over. And David's like... Uh, or the director. The, well, I can't fucking remember the name of the director. He's like, that's that's not how it happened, hon. I, I was never, like, intentionally trying to, like, hurt you with this or anything. And Grant's like, son of a bitch. Then the bomb people come back, and they're like, yeah, there was enough plastic in there to blow up everything within, like... They give an, a meter amount. I think it was, like, 10 meters or something. And Nancy's like, that's 30 feet. It would have been, like, David, who was supposed to be driving the car at that point... Um, any of the camera people who were involved, any of the cast that was nearby, like, they would have been fucking blown the fuck up, like, with plastique. And Grant's like, it wasn't, and like, he just starts gibbering, and they're like, take him away, and also have him see a doctor. And you're like, that seems legit. Okay, so, now Nancy knows that they were trying to sabotage. She's figured out, like, who's behind the sabotage, but they still don't have Jack back. They still don't know exactly why Jack was abducted. Um... On the other front, they don't know who was embezzling the money. The Hardys don't know who was embezzling the money. Um, I didn't actually do, like, a page count or anything, but it feels like this is more Nancy-heavy, which is as it should be. Because, like, Frank and Joe don't do a lot in this. It feels like, again, they put a bunch of movies in a blender and just hit the, hit the button. Um, so Nancy's still trying to find Jack, and she goes out to the the photographer studio that he's he had been borrowing to see if there's anything else that she can find and they find mike who is the owner of the studio tied to a fucking chair like just that has fallen over on the floor like clearly upset and like when they go over there nancy's like oh my god are you okay and he's like they came in and they asked where jack's stuff was and i told them but they they got really mad at me and they started like beating the hell out of me and nancy's like son of a bitch so all of jack's stuff is still there because they didn't find what they were looking for through jack's stuff and i was like again that's really fucking dumb you should have taken it all with you you jackasses um these are the same people who attacked nancy on the stairs and so they came by the photography studio and they were like oh we gotta get out of here because they needed to go try to abduct nancy for some shit anyway so good job all around so they get there i think like a few hours later so it's okay mike is not dead um so she's like okay they're trying to find the pictures from that day they absolutely have to be like and i think that nancy does eventually oh she talks to emily and she's like she's like emily we cannot find his fucking camera bag like if we could find the negatives if we could if we could make a print of like anything that seems like it could be related to the mystery then maybe we could find whatever clue has you know resulted in this Oddly enough, remember last week was also about finding pictures of things. Um, and Emily's like, oh, well, sometimes he would put his camera bag in the supply cabinet over here. And Daisy was like, son of a bitch. So they go over there and there's the fucking camera bag that they've been missing this whole time. 
So they take it out, they develop the pictures, and they find a picture from the, um, just before Snake Juno's car exploded. Um, it's when he was taking pictures near the garage. Um, there is a picture of somebody under the car that Snake exploded in, um, with his hand under it. So they're like, okay, so it feels like this is the person who planted the bomb under the car. And I feel like they have enough evidence to consider it Pierre. I feel like they're like, oh, that's the jacket that Pierre was wearing at the time. So they're like, oh, of course. And again, this is the guy that Jack went to meet with. So, and I was like, this is giving, I took a picture of you and it looks like you were planning something under that car, like confronting him with evidence for some reason, like to blackmail or to say I'm going to turn this over to the cops or whatever. But anyway, it's not, it's not that. It's not the more interesting explanation. The other weird thing is Danielle. So again, Danielle, the other race car driver played by Danica, whoever, um, (laughs) Patrick, maybe anyway. Um, so again, she's super into Joe. So anytime Joe walks into the room, she's like, Hey there. Hey. And Bess comes in with Joe at one point because Joe's like, I need you to, she already knows who I am. I need you to pretend to be like a, a magazine reporter and say that you're doing a profile on her and see if you can get some clues out of her. And Bess is like, that same, her boyfriend died like yesterday and joe's like i know but that's what reporters do they're vultures go after it so Bess goes in and she's talking to her and she's like oh i'm I'm, how long have you two been together oh my god and danielle is like it had been over a year we were just keeping things secret and Bess is like "Mm -hmm." and i saw you making like bang me eyes at joe but it's fine um so tell me more like any anything cute from your relationship and danielle's like I made him a chocolate cake for his birthday, and he it was the first time I had made one, and he said it was the best one he'd ever tasted. We were in love. And Bess is like, uh-huh, okay, Um, so uh, I'm going to come back later, because she asked her something, and she's like, I don't know what to talk about that right now. And Bess is like, oh, okay, we'll come back later. So when they go to, there's a party that they go to. It's like a masquerade party, Moulin Rouge. Um, They all have to go in costume, because fuck you, and... <laughs> There's like fucking Christmas trees set up all over the room. And I have to I have to put a pin in this and back up. I have to put a pin in this back up. But I do want to say this. Um, there's a big race car cake. I was like, because this is a four-year-old's birthday party. Um, it's like bright yellow with like, I think a racing stripe or something. And Henry, the dipshit who made his computer password his own birthday, said... We made the cake vanilla this year because Snake Juno came to last year's and said that chocolate made him sick. And Nancy's like, that... Something is striking me as odd about that. And then she's like, Bess, didn't didn't that bitch say that... Because they don't trust her at this point. Didn't that bitch say that um, she made him a chocolate cake? And Bess is like, yeah, she said she made him a chocolate cake and they loved it. He ate every bit. Nancy's like, okay, so um, if... Mm, something's wrong here because snake you know like apparently was a little drama queen about it and was like it makes me sick to have chocolate so nancy's like okay she was lying about that so they weren't really in a long-term relationship because she wouldn't have fucked up like that if they had been so hmm, okay she's already suspecting her of shit they uh they see daniel at one point going into like it's the same hotel that the writers in so they're like oh, cahoots but but no they go to see who she could have been visiting, and they narrow it down to, like, four people, but they can't, none of them are people that they know about, so, anyway, um, yeah, let me circle back, so, after they find the pictures, 
And they see that there's, like, photographic evidence that Pierre was at least tampering with the car. So it's not, like, proof that he did it, but it's definitely, like, circumstantial. Um, Nancy calls him, and they're like, what are you going to tell him about? Nancy's like, I'm going to try to blackmail him. (laughs) Super casual. Just super casual. So she calls him, and she's like, I've got the photo that you want. And they talk about it, and they're like, you could offer like the prints, but everybody knows that the important thing is the negatives. But again, you could have made infinite prints from the negative. So that's the thing with photographic evidence is blackmail. You you know, you never are sure that you have it all. So anyway, Nancy calls him and she's like, Hey, I want, um, like $5,000 and I will, um, give you the prints and the negatives. And he's like, I can't, I think that like, she schedules a meeting with him. She's like, I want you to come to, like, the, she is pretty sure that he won't try anything if they're in a public place. So she has him come to the hotel lobby, and she's like, yeah, I want $5,000 for the pictures. And he's like, I don't care that much on me. I have to get back to you. Um, And he's like, I thought that you would want to exchange the photo for the photographer. And Nancy's like, I don't give a fuck about him. Because they're hoping that as soon as Pierre leaves, he will lead them to where he's got the photographer. But, of course, he fucking loses them because Frank and Joe are on that detail, and they fuck, fucking suck at this. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be nice for a second. They have to suck at this, okay? Otherwise, the book is going to end early. Like, if they were extra competent, the books would be over in 20 pages. So, I'm just saying. Or they'd have to be against much more competent villains. So, anyway, they, don't, they can't get him. Then Nancy gets a call, and he's like, So, bitch, um, if you ever want to see the photographer again, you need to leave the money... And he asked for, like, a, a bunch of money, I think. Um, you need to leave the money in a pink box with a purple ribbon under the Christmas tree at the costume party. And Nancy's like, Sh- what? Sure. Okay. Okay. So, the costume party. You were dying to hear about this. I know. I can feel it. Um, Nancy is dressed as Matahari, so she's wearing, like, a Turkish harem outfit, and I was like, again, I've got, and she's like, I don't know why I let Frank talk me into this, and I was like, I know a bunch of reasons why, mm, for, mm. but also, I would have said fucking no, although hilariously, I would have been like, Nancy, you should have gone dressed as yourself, wear a, <laughs> wear a smart 50s dress, and carry around a magnifying glass, and everyone would know who you were, it's fine, anyway, so she's Matahari. She's like, I have more eye makeup than a drugstore. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Bess is... I don't... I think that Bess is dressed as like a Canadian film, like vintage film star. Like a... Anyway, but I don't remember the name. I think I'd heard the name before, so it's like, okay, I think that person is legit. Um, Emily is also dressed as a vintage film star, I think. Um, But it's... When Nancy walks in, like, and again, Frank, because he's a dick, is like, I'm going to be Sherlock Holmes. And I was like, again, why not let Nancy be Sherlock Holmes, you dick? Um, Joe is Mr. Watson. Dr. Watson, I'm sorry. Um, which, he's wearing a doctor's coat and a stethoscope and has Watson on his lapel. And Nancy's like, yeah, you put, like, zero effort into that costume, Joe. Like, you're killing it. Uh, <laughs> because Frank, like, has a legit deer stalker and a big old pipe. Anyway, so they're walking around. Nancy spots like three Ninja Turtles. And I was like, way to be in the moment of 1991. I love it. Um, so it doesn't fucking matter what you're dressed as. You don't have to like meet the theme of the party or anything. They found out about the cake. Um, Nancy puts the, there's four Christmas trees. She's like, which fucking one am I supposed to put it under? So she puts it under the biggest one. Um, and the lights go out like right at midnight. It is, it's New Year's. It's fucking new. Like it's a New Year's party. Uh, the lights go out right at midnight. Everybody's like, happy new year. Ah! 
and when the lights come back on, the president is gone. And so they rush out because they're like, they can't have gone far because Nancy saw Danielle there and um, Pierre. She was like, Pierre is Peter, Pierre is Peter in English and his last name means Mills. And so there was somebody with that name there. And so Danielle is mixed up in this. And so they, they catch Danielle and Pierre has the box. Um, and then they go to his, to the room that was under, that was rented under the name Peter Mills and they find Jack who had, who was like fucking tied to the bed. Like we're in some sort of weird fetish porn thing. Um, they let him out and he's like, yeah, they would only untie me to, to feed me. I was like, okay, okay. You know that this is my logistical question about everything. Um, also, Pierre, who is associated with the racing, like, had two mechanics who apparently have some aspirations for villainy, like, just dress up in, in straight black and put on some ski masks and just to threaten people. Just, they were like, we enjoy henchmening. Minioning. Um, so why the fuck were they keeping Jack alive? Okay, you got somebody who has photographic proof that you... Did, were you just afraid of dis, of disposing of the corpse? You're in Canada. Canada is um, Alaska adjacent, and I feel that it also has wilds where nobody gonna find that corpse. If you were in my home state, I would say find a pig farm, but you're in you're in the cold, frosty north, so I guess just dump him and have him form an icicle. Why the fuck were you keeping him alive? Also, how was he using the bathroom? That is always my question. But anyway, if you're a villain in this book, you have a briefcase, and it's full of things, including a firecracker, two startled horses. Um, I would prefer for you to have some handkerchiefs that are embroidered with not your own initials, just to throw Nancy the fuck off. Um, a black ski mask, which is not going to look suspicious under any circumstances. Um, I don't think that they're ever shot at. I could be wrong. Um, a smoke bomb, but also some plastic. Like, <laughs> holy shit. There's just so much going on. So, um, so they get Jack out. Jack says that when he went to Pierre's office, like when he went to Pierre's office, he had gone through his pictures. He had made big prints of his best pictures from the day before because he wanted to prove that he would be a good person to do publicity for the event. And he did not even realize that he had taken that picture or what its significance was. He didn't even fucking know it, but it was one of his better pictures. And so he took it and it had been blown up. And so it was like a good size print. And so of course the evidence was right there. So Pierre saw it and was like, Oh, um, I'll be right back and left the room. And like somebody came up behind Jack and like knocked him the fuck out. And he woke up in that hotel bed. And so like Jack makes it sound like they never asked him where he had put the rest of the pictures because I think that he probably would have fucking told them. But um, it's it's like they were like, no, we'll figure it out. No, it's fine. It's fine. We just enjoy kidnapping people and also menacing threats and typewritering. And uh, Nancy traces the typewriter at Pierre's office for her threatening note, of course. Um, yeah. So, um, Danielle was involved in the scheme. The payoff was because um, Pierre had hacked into the system and had like was going to embezzle the prize money. Um, Snake found out about it, and Pierre decided to that he didn't want to split the money with anybody, so he blew up the car. I think that Danielle got involved with Pierre. Like Danielle is Danielle had no interest in Snake. Like it was just like she was keeping tabs on him for Pierre. So they're both they both suck. Um, on the other end, Nancy had already figured out like what the, all the sabotage was happening on the set for. Um, David, who again best wanted to ride like a freight train, um, got the offer for the major production studio back. So like he said, we're gonna be wrapping up 
here in like a few weeks and I'll be able to go directly to the other set. So it all worked out for me. Yay. Um, yeah. So, and also Jack's back with Emily. Oh my God. The other thing that happened in this is that, um, Nancy sees Marguerite, Leslie Bibb, and she's like, she's like sneaking out, like still wearing her wedding dress from the set or something. And Nancy's like, she says, what are you sneaking? Like, what's, what's going on? And Marguerite, this is the day that, um, Brent almost got blown up in that fucking car. Um, Marguerite's like, we've realized that, um, life's too short. He could have died today and we're going to go fucking elope. And Nancy was like, holy shit. Maybe, maybe you should wait. And then Marguerite slash Leslie Bibb is like, no, my family is like classist. So we're going to sneak off and get married and we'll just break it to him later. But like, why wait? And Nancy was like, that's cool. And I would have been like, and then she thought longingly of Ned and the fact that they could have eloped in Canada or anywhere. Any, any travelogue can involve a just low-key casual wedding in a backyard or maybe in a haunted swamp. So, anyway. So, Marguerite runs off to, and I think that um, she doesn't want to get married in Quebec. Like, they run off to maybe Montreal, maybe? I don't know. Anyway, they, they go to another location because, like, she's like, you know, they're, they're pretty classist. Like, all over. So Nancy's like, hey, that's great for you. Um, David's got good news. Everybody's got good news. Um, yeah. It all worked out for everybody except for the guy who fucking blew up in the car. And again, I was like, maybe he's just going to stroll up at the end of the movie and be like, guess who's back, bitch? And that 100% didn't happen. So ice racing. Ice racing. So at the end of the um, novel, it's January 1st. And Nancy's like, happy new year, everybody. <laughs> It's so bonkers. It's so fucking bonkers. Like, it's an artificial fucking deadline. There's no tax reasons. There's no fucking reason that this had to be on January 1st. There's none. There's none. But it's fine. Your commitment to the bit is noted. So, Frank and Joe do, like, they just fail repeatedly. God. I mean, like, Nancy at least will, like, track down clues and she's like, okay, I've eliminated that possibility. I've eliminated this one. Like, she's presented as much more, like, thoughtful and deliberative and, like, gonna... And again, like, she fucking calls the guy and, like, it's like, I'm gonna blackmail your ass. And she wires up David, which, again, I was like, is this submissible in court? Um, <laughs> and he's like, I, I give zero fucks about that. Um, she does contact the police and she does turn the tape over to the police and they're like, okay, we're going to, this is the fucking bonkers shit. Okay. After Jack has been missing for 24 hours, like, of course they go straight from the hotel room to the cops and the cops are like, well, he Johnny Depp his hotel room. Like that's not proof of anything. And Emily's like, he wouldn't have fucking done this. And they're like, we can't do anything. He's a grown man. Usually they come back by themselves. If he's still gone within like 48 hours and we'll maybe casually look into this shit. Um, so when Nancy calls the cops, and again, she does have a little bit of credibility because she calls them after she has um, the bomb. So she's like, okay, so here's here's the proof that I've got about who planted the bomb. And so they're like, okay. And then she's like, I think I figured out who has, because again, Pierre, she's pretty sure that Pierre's the only person who has Jack. They're like, okay, you can continue looking for Jack, but after like 24 hours, we're going to take over the search for him. But I mean, it's fine. And I'm like... He's a missing person. He's clearly in danger. And you're like, I'm going to let this teenager handle this. Like, oh my God. Cops are just completely worthless everywhere is what we have learned from this book. Like, oh my God. Like, they barely wanted to. She was like, there's been a bomb planted under the car. And she was like, no, I didn't do it. It wasn't me. 
I'm, I'm trying to save him. Um, gosh, anyway, so carbs, dumb, dumb carbs. Um, I love that Nancy was like, I'm going to, I'm having a villain era. I'm going to just be like, yeah, I'm going to blackmail your ass. It's going to be nice. Uh, Mama needs a new pair of shoes slash some slutty, slutty costume jewelry. Um, yeah. Did best bang David? Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. The book is low key. Like, yeah, absolutely. She climbed up on that. Um, but it's fine. Jack's back with Emily. Um, the only person who died was that evil race car driver who was blackmailing them over the prize money. Um, oh, the other thing that happened, um, the guy that was the, the consultant on the film, the one who had been the race car driver and had gotten injured in that previous accident, Francois. He also, again, everybody in this fucking book is sneaking off or just making like bald face threats at people. So he was one who had been sneaking off. They follow him because they're like, maybe he's been involved in the embezzling because he's working with both of them. He's working with the race car people and he's also working on the set. So Nancy's like, he's like a a natural bridge between these two. So I'm curious about what he's doing. They track him to a business college. And when they stop him and ask him about it, um, he says that also the other thing is that remember that same thing that um, Frank printed out that was like, basically the evidence of the embezzling, like just basically like an account summary (laughs) on a fucking dot matrix printer. Henry's like, I hate the sound of that printer. So it is in a closet. And I was like, that's, that makes sense. It's it's dot matrix. That thing is just screaming. Um, Francois printed out the same account summary and Nancy was like, why do you fucking have, like, Frank and Joe were there too, and they're like, why do you fucking have this? And he was like, uh, Henry's my bestie, and he said that I could check it out. It's fine. Um, when they ask Henry, Henry's like, he wouldn't have had any reason to do this. And then he's like, but I trust him, so it's fine. And they're like, you're the one who made your birthday the password. So, mm, we're gonna, we're gonna put a pin in that. When they stop Francois and they find the account history, they're like, what do you have this? And he's like, I'm at business college. I was hoping to figure out what's going on. Um, it's got this long string of numbers. I'm trying to figure out the significance of it. Um, but I haven't really been able to figure it out. So Frank sits there and looks at it for the first time and is like, oh, okay. So this is a date. This is another date. And then you've got this other string at the end of it that is, um, like it appears to be the same number on all of these strings. And they were like, the account number. The account number that the money is going into. And they track it down as Snake Juno's account number. So, which makes all the sense in the world. But anyway, so Francois, like, they're like, but why are you sneaking around? And Francois is like, because I feel embarrassed about my my current physical status. And um, I feel like I've been giving this position at the racing company, like, out of pity. And I want to get my business degree so that I can actually, like, earn a place. Like, I want to prove that... Like, it's not just charity. And they were like, oh, shit, okay. <laughs> like, oh, that's okay. We we understand that. So the end of it, remember Pierre Dick, who um, was embezzling the money and everything, like, Francois gets his position. Like, he managed to, I guess, get enough of his business classes under his belt so that now he's qualified to do it. So now he gets um, Pierre's position, and he feels great about himself. And you're like, that's great, hon. Like, good work. Good work. I I do love that you couldn't understand those numbers and Frank took like 12 seconds, but it's fine. Frank's a detective and this is what he does for a living slash doesn't because how are they making any money off this? There's no money. There's no, that blackmail didn't go through and actually like Nancy would have returned it to somebody. I don't actually fucking know because I don't think the book ever says whether there was anything in that pink fucking box she puts under the tree. Like who knows? 
Um, I don't think there was, but like the box is just the way they're trying to track the blackmailer. So it's fine. Um, but yeah, so yeah, it works out for pretty much everybody. The fun thing about this book, I mean, fun air quotes. Um, the books are really simplistic in that, like, if you are a good person, you can do things that are maybe a little bit ethically sketch, but you're still a good person. Like, it's it's understandable why you're doing what you're doing. Like Francois, um, the writer is, like, bitter over the fact that his creation is being kind of fucked up, which, again, the book is written by a person. So whenever a writer appears in a book, you're like, hmm, tell me more. Um, the actors are just, you know, they're trying to make their big break. Leslie Bibb is just here to, to marry that race car driver, which again, like, it's so like Nancy's listening to the dialogue in the movie and it's like, I can't lose you. And she's like, this is the cheesiest fucking dialogue. But she looks over and she's like, tears are in Brent's eyes, but he's listening to it. And Nancy's like, oh my God, he is completely over the rails for Leslie Bibb. Oh my God. Like he cannot even, she's like, if this is getting to him, Oh, no. Oh, no. So, yeah, it's like, I love you so much. And uh, Anyway, I hope they're happy. I hope they have an eight and a half pound pork roast. Like, enjoy. It's fine. <laughs> Why am I thinking of him at, like, David Ryder in Space Mutiny? Oh, my God. Anyway, but, yeah, so everything works out. Everything's fine. We've learned absolutely nothing. We've learned that ice racing is apparently a thing. And again, I refuse to look it up. Wikipedia, you can lie to me all you want to, buddy. I don't, I don't, I don't care to know. I think that they actually like put chains on the tires or something, of course, which makes sense. But ice racing sounds like so deeply irresponsible. Like, oh my God, in cars. Like, I would understand if you're like maybe in a dog sled, but they're like, no, no, in cars, in like racing cars. That's like, can you even imagine like the level of insurance you would have to pay for that? Oh my God, son of a bitch. Anyway, so there's ice racing in Canada. Also, they're super classist. Also, if you're not French Canadian, get the fuck out if you're in Quebec. Um, oh my God, didn't like Quebec think about seceding because they wanted to form their own little French community? I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah, also I love that at this point they're like, we're just going to be super low key and casual about the fact that Bess is just going to bang any hot suspect. And again, if in the books that they had been like male or female, I would have been like, uh, also like she's given that vibe as well. Where it's like, mm, I'm going to climb up on you. Doesn't really even matter. If we got vibes, then we got vibes. So yeah, if only at the end of the book, because occasionally they'll do this where at the very end of the book, after the case has been solved, Nancy's like, and now I get to go home to my man. And I, I would have enjoyed that. So I'm going to just mentally tack it on at the end. Like she's going home to her man. It's going to be nice. She gets to tell him about the fact that she was in a horse-drawn carriage that somebody threw a firecracker at, which, again, have they ever taken a horse-drawn carriage ride that did not in that way is an important thing for us to ask ourselves. Are they curses for horse-drawn carriages? Yeah, I think they are. I think they are. It's, it's just a thing that they should not even be attempting at this point. So, anyway, good times, good times. Next time we're going to be doing, as I've mentioned several thousand times, um, Clue of the Whistling Bagpipes. The promotional image from, it's not a promotional image, it's the actual, like, artist, like, the piece that they do to kind of set up everything with the actual human model so that they can do it, so it's kind of like the mock-up, has the actress or model who is portraying Nancy with a cigarette in her mouth so that her mouth will be pursed appropriately to, for the bagpipes, and I was like, 
I like it. I like it. She's not holding an actual bagpipe. She's like, but I'm going to have a cigarette. Um, yeah, so we're going to, we're traveling to Scotland next time. So strap in y'all strap in. I don't think Ned's in it, which saddens me deeply, but that's okay. We're going to power through. We've got a lot of fun Scottish things to happen. So as always enjoy 2023 asterisk and stay sleuthy, my friends.